0: Welcome to the Husker 24 7 podcast. I'm Brian Christopherson. I'm joined by Michael Bronce wearing his A's hat. Um, that's pretty nice of you to still wear that thing. <laughs> Support the boys even though they even though they're not supporting you guys. They don't care about you. They don't worry about your feelings. They, they want to get out of town. They suck all those things. And yet you you have the hat on.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to pivot when all you own is A's hats. I mean it, it would okay. be like you all of a sudden having to be like, no twins. Like we're out on the twins. So <laughs> how many A's hats do you have? Uh I have three. So not a not a large amount, but it's that's the only baseball hats I own. So mm-hmm. um so here we stand. But yeah, they they took two or three from the Royals, which I've pointed out to a lot of Royals Royals fan friends. And uh now, now we're on to New York where the Yankees are kicking the piss out of the A's. So so, so the Royals are last in the AL right now. Is that right? Uh, no, I the, the, I think the age just caught them and then okay, they, they lost Sunday. So then they fell back.
0: Well, that'll be something for us to enjoy throughout yeah, the summer. We, we can follow that throughout <laughs> the summer.
1: Happy updates.
0: How do you feel about Jim Harbaugh? Speaking of summer items, uh big lawn mowing guy says everyone should mow their own lawn. What what was your thoughts on that? Uh that's not a surprising take. He's opened
1: himself up to like lawn questions at Big 10 Media Days, right? Like if okay. you just you know how they have like the 45-minute session where the guys up front and you get like the last 10 minutes it's just like it's filler. Oh, up. I know. It's it's Bo, Bo Polini talking about the meat selection at hy V, which he did uh in one yes, it did. one Big 10 uh round table. But he he's opened himself up for like you know w- what kind of a lawn lung care does jim harbaugh do what's what's his pre-emergent of choice um you know does he does he aerate what kind of uh seed mixture does he prefer i all of these mm-hmm. questions are now begging to be asked so yeah I, what did you make of it I, it's not a particularly surprising take coming from him if we're honest
0: no um yeah he's he's that sort of guy who like if there's something that was really big in like 1988 he's sort of behind it and back when you know when i w- was a kid you i mowed lawn like three or four lawns to you know that was like how you got start got going like this is how i'm gonna be a businessman like so mm-hmm. um i don't know it seems like it's a I, I I hope kids still mow lawns i hope that's a thing but um yeah it, it didn't shock me um i've i've been struggling with mine so i'm not i I used to love to talk about lawn care because I was really rolling. And um right now where I'm at, it's just been a dogfight and I I look out there with a little bit of embarrassment. I'll be honest about it. The 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 weeds were taken over the front yard and yesterday I just got it. I did some work on it, so we'll see what happens. But this is this is not good for me right now than my <laughs> psyche. <laughs> you're you're like that aging pitcher that's lost his fastball. You're just trying to, to get some strikes over the plate. Yeah, like the guy they bring in when it's like you're down nine to two in the seventh <laughs> inning. It's like, can you get us two outs, please, to get us through without using up some arms? Yeah, that's that's what I become with lawn care. So maybe I can turn it around. But uh, the Harbaugh—that maybe that got into my head a little bit. I saw that headline. I was like, I got to get out there and do something about. Yes, yeah. you know. So that that happened. Um, but we don't have to continue on about. About that topic, uh, Matt Rule was um, on the radio uh, last night and hit on a few things. I can go through a couple items. Was that, if you'd was that like. his
1: first his first hour long session as head coach? Did on he take calls? The were there radio calls Network. and
0: texts? There were texts. Um, one person texted with inaccurate information that said Satterfield had thrown the ball at South Carolina more than any other team in the SEC or something, and it wasn't correct. And it got corrected. Uh, within the show Uh, but there were no calls that I remember the court court reporter that's over there tapping away made sure to correct the record (laughs) yeah raise the finger like no I don't think that's accurate yeah Um, so I'll go through a couple quick hits and we're going to talk about running backs as well today. We were doing a thing where we're focusing on one position group in these podcasts each time last week was quarterbacks. This time it's running backs. AJ Allen, by the way, picked Miami. We'll get into that. Um, But on rules show, one of the themes was he was talking about a few of the guys that they've switched positions on. And I don't know if people took it seriously I don't know what people think when they read this stuff, but in the early parts of the spring, John Bullock came up like the first week, I think Tony white brought him up, said he was everywhere. And then John Bullock did come up and do some interviews. And um, he was brought up here and there throughout it. And you saw that he was with the one defense uh, when the red white scrimmage occurred. And some people I think were like, well, you know, Reimer wasn't there. Henrik wasn't there. We'll see what it happens. But Rule last night talked about Bullock had as good a spring as anybody on this team. And then they even said he could be an NFL guy. Like I think his move from safety to linebacker has just like changed his whole world. So make what you will of, of the NFL part. We'll see. But um, John Bullock, is definitely going to be a big part of the conversation in that linebacker competition in the summer and fall. There's no way you can walk away from last night's comments and not think that. So if you thought that was one of those sleepy little spring storylines, I would say it's more than that sort of along that theme. He talked about Brody Tagaloa and, uh, Bonner, which everybody kind of knows that move seems to be working out as a hybrid tight end. But, uh, They really like Brody Tagaloa, too, on the D-line. And I'm not saying he's going to be a guy who gets the same amount of reps as some veterans or something. But um, there's certain guys like Brody and Bonner who, if you had asked a Husker fan back in December or even just a week before spring ball, what do you think about their shot on this roster? What's their place? Probably people on the outside looking in would have been like, are they going to be on the roster? I don't know. You know, like you, they, they would have been in that category of guys where you wonder what's going through their heads, and now they seem to really have found fits after their position moves. So, they're 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 really liking sort of where they've put guys and how they've responded um, to their new spots. And so, Brody Tagaloa is a is one of those names to watch in the future, at least uh, as they try to build up depth at that D line spot. Tagaloa is an interesting
1: case because he was kind of a quiet commit um you know the you had the question mark of where he was gonna play you know he kind of dallied with tight end they moved him to defensive line I don't think he was ever healthy last year like the only time I ever remember seeing him he had had some kind of a wrap on something in a sling mm-hmm. like he he was always kind of <laughs> you know how they kind of have they when they run out for the tunnel walk there's kind of like the the guys trailing behind the group that have yeah. like, or on crutches or they've got arms and slings or whatever. He was always with that group. And I mean, even down in the field during the red white game, I, 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 found myself kind of like, was that tag a, like a, a little bit, uh, not confused, but kind of like legitimately surprised that he was in there kind of wrecking shop the way that he was. And, mm-hmm. I guess in my mind there there's like a, a pool of guys that he's part of that if they're able to kind of figure out, you know, again, you don't need like 50 snaps out of him but if you can get 10 a game that helps a little bit to get to what Matt rule wants to do with the hockey line change up front and playing a lot of guys. So I, and to your point, I think everybody kind of went into the spring with a list of about 10 guys. And it was like, this is who we need to get rid of in order to get down to the 85 number. Mm-hmm. And we think these guys are going to leave. And Tagaloa was on that list for a lot of people, I think, just based on kind of how his first year had gone. And to his credit, I think he's, he's really embraced, you know, defense. And I, I thought he played really well in the spring games. So it's not, not really surprising, but if somebody emerges from that that group, um, I, I would kind of put AJ Rollins in there too, mm-hmm. and um, you know a few of those other guys are a little bit, you know, probably second or third team guys. Um, you know, you, you'd feel pretty good about the way that that defensive line looks.
0: Yeah, he said last night. Rule thought um, AJ Rollins could get up to 270 pounds uh, before he's done here um, on that D line, and so D line's is pretty. Ex- Exciting. Um, this is not me wanting to hype them up because I think it it could be a year or two down the road. But it's just a group of guys. They have so many freshmen incoming, and guys like Rollins down Brody who are redshirt guys. Who, um, you 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 just sort of are like, man, I kind of am interested if they could be really good in like two years, depth wise. Like if if they had a high hit rate on on that on that group. Mm-hmm. So, um. I thought that that was one of the more interesting parts. And then, of course, you know, Rule did talk about the roster attrition some and basically just said sort of what he said after the spring game, Bronson, that, you know, you have that honest feedback with guys. This is where you're at right now. And it was a two-way conversation. And, you know, some there were certain guys who said, whatever you tell me, like, this is where I want to be. I'm going to be here. And he said, we weren't forcing anyone out the door but there are going to be some guys who just think like my chances to play now somewhere else. And I got to explore that. And uh, obviously your mind goes like Casey Thompson first, Um, but AJ Allen as well. And that could even use that as a segue into the running backs. He, he left um, for the portal. And then on Monday, actually during the radio show, I think coincidentally announced he was going to Miami. So that's where he's going to play. So he's not in the room. But Rule, to no surprise, <clears throat> to me at least, is really bullish on that group. And uh, what do you think about it, Bruns, without A.J. Allen, as you look at the running back picture, what you know about him leaving the spring and sort of their past here at Nebraska? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think I think when you look at the what are now the top three guys in that room, and I think A.J. Allen was probably like a 2B in, in that group. Is that fair? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, the spring between Gabe Irvin, Anthony Grant and Ramir Johnson, I think they feel like they have uh, three guys that mm-hmm. can get some work done in the big 10. And, you know, two of those guys have been counted on a lot. Gabe Irvin, you know, has not, has not yet because of injury. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think he was ever a hundred percent last year either, but, um, you know, they didn't get anybody out of the portal in the winter because they like the depth in that group. I don't think that's changed. I think they really like Ramir Johnson uh as kind of a, a guy that can fill in a lot of gaps for him. You, you keep getting the Emmett Johnson mentions. We haven't really seen him much, so I can't really say too much there, but and then you're adding Quentin Ives to the group. Um the summer that, that was a little bit of definitely an under-the-radar recruit um, that the EJ Barthel really likes, has liked for a long time. Uh, they're going to add him to the mix. He's a little bit of a bigger back. And he, even if you see some of the scholarship offers they've made recently in the 24 class, it's for bigger running backs. And I think there's, at least a, in their minds, a little bit more value to be had with kind of the the traditional Big Ten-style running back that you think of um, you know, kind of running through the slop in, in West Lafayette on a November afternoon. I mean, I, I think that's just what they prefer. So that group needs to, I think, be able to show more big play potential than maybe what they have. I mean, we we didn't see that a lot at all last season from Anthony Grant outside of, you know, his play in Dublin. And, you know, I think that that to me is the biggest question mark, is whether you have guys in that group that can, you know, make a house call once a game that completely changed the complexion of the offense and how that, how opponents choose to defend that offense.
0: Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, we didn't see that at all in the spring game. We didn't see that, that one explosive play that was sort of the highlight of the day. It was all kind of, there was some nice stuff like in the first and second quarter where you saw the line get some creases and you'd get seven to 10 yard runs on a few occasions, but it kind of was limited there. So Someone's gonna have to prove they can do it. Maybe Anthony Grant sort of has shown that he has that ability to be a home run hitter, or, you know, early in last season, um, before things sort of went sideways on him. Um, Gabe Irvin, I think, is the fascinating part because <clears throat> I have an open mind about him. I do sense there's some skepticism from like fans and stuff about like is is he as good as the coaches think he is? You know, like I, I think that's I don't think I'm misreading that. Do you? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think I think
1: <laughs> kind of what you're operating off of is, is you have fans and people that follow this program who they've they've seen some of these guys and they, they've formed opinions on some of these guys um, based on past play. And the coaching staff is basically starting pretty much from this year with a clean slate with these guys and going off of 15 practices and whatever they've. Seen in winter conditioning. So, um, you know, it's kind of that balance and I I think it's not as strong, but similar skepticism to the way people kind of reacted whenever Matt rule was talking about the offensive line and struggles last year and how he Mm -hmm. didn't think that they, you know, were part of the problem. So it's, I I think for a lot of fans, you know, that, that running back room, is kind of in show me mode you know that they need to right. to prove a little bit uh that, that they're you know more of what the matt rule and his staff are seeing and not so much of maybe what we've seen the past couple of years with some of these oh. guys and it's i i guess that's fair at the same time it's it's a completely different
0: set of circumstances that they're operating under now <clears throat> Kind of a side topic, but it'll be interesting in a couple of years, maybe if this would get revisited, you know, for this first off season with rule and Lincoln with the running backs, he's, I mean, I think he really genuinely thinks they've got a good group, but he's, you know, he says like, I'd put them up against, you know, I don't know what the big 10 has, but I like what we have. And then when you hear him talk about the O line, I think, I do think there's, um, belief in the potential there, but I'd be curious as time goes on, I feel taught would talk more about as a coach in your first year, how much of that is that, that true thinking like, yeah, these guys can actually do this or the part where you're just trying to build belief in them with the narrative of whatever's been out there. doesn't have to be um, the case. Like whatever's been said about the old line last year, all that's floating in the wind. Um, you don't have to buy into that. Like you can play this game and really sort of it, almost like a psychological part, you know, with the group, like trying to get guys to believe like Bryce Benhart, like you are an next level player if you just believe it. And so I wonder if uh, a year or two, I'll talk more about sort of what, what it was like this first off season of trying to kind of get guys in a certain mindset where it's like, whatever's been written or said on the radio or, you know, you hear fans thinking about your game, um, they're, they're sort of like uh, let's, you can, you can change that because you're, you're different than that. And I, I, I think there is some value to that as a head coach, um, whether it's genuine or not. And I think I will take him at his word that it is, but just, you know, believe in yourself. Let's, let's, let's pump these guys up um, Ted Lasso style, I guess. Yeah. Well, and and Matt Rule has even admitted
1: that, you know, when he's talking to the media, he's talking to he's talking to his team, he's talking to his players. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's probably I I don't think he's the type that's just going to puff a guy up in the media to do it. Like, I I think I take him at his word there. I think there's also a little bit of what you're saying where you're backing your guys. In, in a public setting and, and mm-hmm. players hear that. Like, I, I think that's, that's, you have to probably do more of that in year one, I would guess, than maybe, you know, the more you get into, in, into your tenure at a place. So um, do you, I, I guess that group and, and we, for the last few years have seen, you know, raspa hasn't had great <clears throat> running back play. Like, uh, you know, since Divine Zigbo it's been kind of tough sledding at times. Do you, do you feel, think that there's going to be somebody that's going to emerge from that group, or do you see it for the less of a better description
0: of by committee approach? It's really guesswork. I mean, if you just went off of interviews and all that, I would say Gabe Irvin is going to, um, I feel like he's, doesn't it seem like to the coaching staff from what we've heard, if you just took the quotes, he's one a right now. Um, it kind of does to me, mm-hmm. however, um, I think Ramirez is going to have a large say in this season. I, I, I mean, last year was weird how it played out, but this staff knew about Ramir before they got here. EJ Barthel's, you know, from that area and recruits that area where Ramir came from. And so I don't think he's on, un- was unfamiliar to them. And I think they know the whole storyline too. last year about how he was supposed to be a big part of it, you know, going into fall camp and then for whatever reason wasn't, but I just keep going back to whenever I see Ramir touch the ball in a game. um, He usually does something pretty effective more at a higher clip than a lot of guys do. I mean, even um, at the end against Iowa, I know he had the fumble if it was or wasn't, I don't know, but at the end, but, early in that game, like he looked good. I mean, he, he ripped off some runs where, uh, you, I mean, he had fresh legs, I guess. Um, cause he had, <laughs> he had a final off season, but, uh, I thought like, man, this, this is just like an, another indication. Like why wasn't this guy out there a little bit more? Because I think ramire can run between the tackles better than he's given credit or sometimes the thought is because of his his build i he's shown to me he's a pretty physical back so um i would say ramir is going to be in the top two um one way or another and i think it's going to be gabe and ramir i think that's going to be the, the the co-guys who are sort of your your big hitters but man we'll see anthony grant might have something to say about that uh, anthony had his moments last year early on where you're like, well, that's dynamic. But I think the thing he's got to show, of course, is can you be a north-south guy in this league? And maybe that's what Gabe Irvin's bringing to the table is that thought to the coaches like in the Big Ten. Can you be that player who pounds out three or four yards as opposed to the guy who gets zero or negative one? Right. Yeah. Well, and it's I I forget which day it was. But when Matt Rule was talking
1: about, you know, in the fourth quarter, they want to be able to run for 75 yards in that quarter mm-hmm. and, and salt away a game. And I keep going back to that with like, you know, who, let's say you're, you're playing Minnesota in the opener and you're trying to just milk clock. Who, who, who are you putting in there to make sure that that happens late? And to me, it's that guy that the, the, the Ramirez Johnson type game where you're okay with four or five yards. Or three, you know? And I think that's that that to me is is the biggest question as you kind of get into like, okay, how's this going to shake out? Is it it I agree with you? It seems to me like, based on what we saw last season, that Ramir fits that bill. And I think Gabe Irvin can be,
0: um, if if you know, given the opportunity to do that. You know, that got me thinking like people if they were to wonder like okay can Ramirez do it in the Big 10 like can he be that guy who's like a Big 10 back um i think he can be um but if you go back a couple years i'm pretty sure i'm remembering this right the game at minnesota where yant fell or slipped on the 1 yard line after it looked like adrian had been in do you remember that was ramirez was running pretty good like they got some momentum going and he got hit in the head didn't he like he took a shot to the head on kind of going to the sideline and it it took him out of the game and i would put all my money on the way he was running and the the way they were going downhill with him at that point they would have got in the end zone and that might have changed that game and maybe even that season a little bit had that happened um but i think back to moments like that that sometimes you can forget about where. Ramir had a lot of uh win behind him um two years ago after he sort of got the playing time at Oklahoma and then he had a few games where you're like okay he's like a dude like he can play a little bit and um it, it looked the, like the he Michigan was really game gonna, at home yeah it looked like he was really gonna finish on a bang and it was that game at Minnesota actually um that kind of slowed the roll a little bit and uh, because I think he might've had to sit out even a week or two. Mm-hmm. So um, that it's just kind of interesting now, as you think about Nebraska's next game, the opener, who's going to be a factor in it. You could go back with Ramirez's career to Minnesota two years ago and actually look at it as a key moment because he, he was sort of on the climb and had an injury that I think disrupted it somewhat. How, given the
1: conversation about trying to find somebody that can give you a house call, how big of a loss do you regard
0: AJ Allen as? <clears throat> um, I'm not going to downplay it. Cause I, we've spoken that we liked his possibilities. I do think there it's taken on uh it's gone into a different world than it belongs with some of the conversations where, I mean, he's not Walter Payton yet. Let's see. Like he carried it 33 times, I think, and played 70 snaps total offense um, last year before the injury. What I really wanted to see from AJ that we never got to see was like there was a thought that he ran, I think, bigger than his measurements because he's actually only like 185 is what he's listed at. But you felt like he was kind of I thought he played like a bigger back and how was he going to do in the Big Ten? Was he going to be able to carry those extra yards? And I did think when he got hurt last year, he was sort of going to threaten Anthony Grant to be one A, didn't you? Like at that moment, like it seemed like there was he was at it least going to make that, an interesting that conversation. So, um, I I think he's going to be a good player, but I'm not going to go beyond good yet. Um, because it's always hard to tell with running back. Cause there's so many guys, Wouldn't you say Brons at that position, like across high school and college, there's every roster has got like three or four guys where you're like, he's pretty good or he could be good, you know, but then there's that, you know, that, that special back or two who just separates from the pack. And those are few and far between. And I don't know if AJ has that or not yet. I'm not to say he doesn't, but, um, some people who might be sort of acting like he's already there. Let's just see how it plays out first. I've because I've, I've seen that with backs before here that have gone on somewhere else and it didn't necessarily take off like you expected it would at another place. Um, I'm thinking of a back from the Pelini era in particular, but. Um, I don't know, I, I, I think he's I think he's a good player, but I'm not ready to say more than that. All what right. do you think yeah i mean that's fair i
1: mean i think it's i think the the sample size and i think we kind of talked about this the other day i think i think the sample size is a little inflated uh in the minds of nebraska fans i i i think you could see kind of where things were potentially heading with with him like i i you know you, you could see the progression of like as he was getting more opportunity it seemed like he was Quickly, kind of getting more comfortable. Um, you know, his, his style of running, I think, probably lends itself to being a little bit more of a bigger play back, but you know, we, we, it's still, you know, around 30 carries that that's what we saw. So, um, you know, I, I think he's, it's an interesting situation at in Miami. I think they took another running back out of the transfer portal yesterday, too. Um, so I'll be curious to see how that plays out, but, um, yeah, I, I think Nebraska will be okay. I think they just need to find somebody that's kind of that that running back that when a defensive coordinator turns on the tape, you're like, okay, we need to be really careful against this guy or he can really burn us. And I, I, I don't know if Nebraska has that guy. Maybe they have him, but it it maybe is not apparent yet that that's, that's what they have.
0: Yeah, they're definitely going to have to uh... – to prove they have that game breaker or they get even if you're not a game breaker, the guy who's just uh, your Mo Ibrahim type guy, you know, who's just like, man, you know, you've been through it because he's going to hit you as much as you're going to hit him. And if they yeah. found that guy. That would work like that type of guy who's just a constant drumbeat, you know, for the entire game. And by the third or fourth quarter, you feel it. And maybe that's what Gabe Irvin's going to be. We'll see. Um, this staff seems to see the potential in them. Um, but that's, uh, that's sort of our thoughts on the running back uh, right now. Should we take a break and just come back with the, maybe talk a little hoops and baseball. All right All right. Welcome back. Um, we'll start it off with just We have talked a little bit about basketball, but I'm, I'm going to just go a little bit more in on uh, Josiah Alec, who uh, we did an interview with on Sunday. Um, and uh, I like this get the more I think about it. Bronze, he's, you know, he's a six, eight guy from Lincoln, but he's uh he's just sort of a junkyard dog. I think like he, he takes a lot of pride in like coaches coming up to him and, saying after the game you know you play at that max level effort level um and i really appreciate that so he's planning on bringing that but the biggest thing about him is he's been playing with bad ankles and last year he got one worked on um prior to his season at new mexico but he didn't want to double down and do the other one at the same time so he got that one fixed after this season and uh he should be back uh full health by about the time they take their trip to spain in uh, late July, early August, and so he's pretty excited to show what he can do. Um, hopefully, with with two good ankles, which he doesn't think he's had, um, and also um, I kind of get a shot back at Missouri, Kansas City. He was more involved in the offense. He had 15 points one year, he averaged, and then like 12.7 or something the the other year. He's been a constant rebounding presence, but. He has shot like 36% from behind the arc uh, prior to New Mexico. So he is a guy who can extend the floor a little bit. And, um, you know, if if he can get that going a little bit, um, he could be a big factor. So uh, anyway, that story is up on the site so people can read it up on uh, what he has to say. Uh, Obviously, he's the brother of Beck Alec, who's on the Husker volleyball team. And um, there's excitement in the family about them both being here. And uh, he calls her mini me. And, um, they have the same curls, same intensity, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, people can read up more on that. Let's finish it off with Husker baseball. Um, you know, they got one of three at Maryland and, um, I know the Sunday did not go well, but I'll, I'll be honest, Bruns going into that. I kind of thought they need to at least get one of three and like, then you move on and, and they got a shot down the stretch. What are you thinking? A lot of people ask me going into that series, like, what what can they expect? And it's like, well, just don't get swept.
1: Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's basically, you know, where things are. Um, so there's two more weekends left of conference play. Nebraska has Penn state at home this weekend, uh, that go to Purdue to finish things up. They're basically in a, I think it's a four way tie for fifth place right now in the league. Um, one of those teams that they're right there with is Purdue. Penn State's a little bit farther down the standings. But um, you know, if Nebraska handles its business, as you would expect them to do against teams like Penn State and Purdue, they, they probably shouldn't have too many um, stressful minutes uh, going into the Big Ten tournament. That being said, on Friday, you had Emmett Olsen take a line drive off his foot. Um, Will Bolt said that he... Initially feared that it was broken. Uh, it's not broken, but uh, he's throwing a bullpen. This is, We're recording this on Tuesday morning. He's throwing a bullpen today. Well, they'll have a better sense of kind of where he's at um, for, for the Penn State weekend. Getting back-to-back strong starts from Olsen and Kamenska are basically the key this weekend against Penn State. Penn State has historically not been a very good hitting team. They're hitting better this year. Uh, they always seem to have guys who are like, look like they're like twenty seven and, and can actually pitch pretty well. <laughs> like you don't you don't want to like, you know, you, you've got like, you know, Joe Joe Smith from Harrisburg and they're pumping 94, something like that. But um you know that that's just where they are. They they have to handle their business. They got the the weird thing with Creighton tonight where they're finishing up the the game from a month ago and then they're they're playing the midweek. And I I'm eager to see what kind of enthusiasm there's gonna be from either team to to win that win those games because both teams are playing to make their conference tournaments. They have very important weekends coming up and uh you know the at-large bid is not there for either of them. So the the map is pretty clear laid out there.
0: What inning is that in? Eighth? We in the
1: eighth Uh, seventh, I believe. Gabe Swanson is batting. The bases are loaded.
0: You got your book uh, open. Yeah, like...
1: I'm, I'm, I'm looking through my book here. Uh, but yeah, they, Creighton had actually just made a pitching change. And there was some question about <laughs> whether or not the pitcher had been announced before the lightning struck. And the, mm-hmm. the last the last I understand is that they they had announced the pitcher. So he has to stay in and face one batter. And uh, Nebraska's already used, I believe, four pitchers that, that are unable to come back. So...
0: Uh, It'd be awesome funny. if there's like a confrontation about that like right off the bat. You know, like Bolt like is just curious yeah. about it. Well, they that was <laughs> there was like some back and forth.
1: And it's it's funny yeah. too like it like all Nebraska needed was like one more batter cuz I I I in my heart of hearts believe that Creighton would have been absolutely fine with that game going final after 7 regardless of the outcome. And mm-hmm. Instead, they have to play at five o'clock and then come back and play at seven. So um, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, Penn State's the the where Nebraska's focus needs to be and
0: see if they can get it done in the final home series. That's always an interesting dynamic to me, though, because I, I understand that where there's a, a challenge if you're a, a coach at Nebraska. You know that big picture-wise, what really matters is this weekend and the Big Ten play. You yeah. also know that you get dented publicly pretty big whenever, like, they've had a rough go sort of against the in-state schools this year. You know, so you don't want you'd like to get a couple of those games, and yet you don't want to use up um, you don't want to use up your dudes tonight. I understand. Yeah,
1: it's well. So, so Nebraska actually has Shea Shaneman in the game. Like he he was the last. Mm-hmm. Nebraska pitcher to throw a pitch a month ago and he's coming off of what a 97 pitch relief outing against Maryland on Saturday so I can't imagine that he's probably going to throw all that much today um if at all in either game but um yeah it's it brings in a little bit of a different kind of gamesmanship I guess when when you're having to pick up a game from a month ago
0: this is a silly thing but finishing up here I think about is Nebraska better off in a certain part of the bracket? Um, have you thought of like what I'm saying for the big 10, if Maryland is the one seed, are they yeah. better off? Like if they're actually the four or five and they get to, and they would throw their second guy or, or I mean, maybe you'd throw um, your third guy. If um, you were like the six or seven seed or some three seed or whatever. And yeah. Save the guy for Maryland. I don't know there's so much
1: potential like fluctuation in the standings the last two weeks. It's kind of interesting. It's not like, worth it talking about. No, it is like, I mean, Maryland I think is a team that you probably don't want to see in this, in a tournament setting just because they just hit the piss out of the ball. They they also play in a little league field we found out um, this weekend, but I, I think, you know, beyond that, I mean, I, I think the the tournament should be fairly competitive. I mean, you've got, Indiana that's kind of been all over the place. They were they were talked about as a potential regional host. Uh Iowa apparently has gambling issues uh on, on their roster yeah. right now with their best offensive player not being able to play. So there's that going on. Michigan States, I think, played better than a lot of people expected. Then you have just this group of like Michigan, Illinois, Nebraska, Purdue, and I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, um, right there, kind of in that five spot. So uh it, it should get clear. And oh, by the way, you have the, the Big Ten scheduling. So like Illinois only has one more conference series left. Like they're done after this weekend. They they play like a meaningless non-conference game or uh-huh. series the last weekend. So it's uh it's interesting. Nebraska obviously needs to uh needs to get to Omaha. I'll put it that yeah, way. Yeah, just I get think, in.
0: Just yeah, just get in, first off. And obviously you're not playing you can't play the game to set up yourself for seating in Norton, or is it maybe advantageous i was just thinking about that like if if it was better off actually being in the bracket with maryland and getting them earlier or or, or not yeah well on their side of the bracket
1: in a setting like that if you win the first two games i mean you're you're set up really well like
0: yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, like, if you were the four or five seed, I'd rather just take my shot at Maryland and game, try to win that first game. Hopefully your second pitcher's up for it, and you you take your crack at them. And then if you pull that off, you're cooking with gas. You know, you got a real shot um, as opposed to uh, the other way. But um, who's, to, who's to say? I, I just think if you could ding Maryland in, like, the second game there and give them mm-hmm. a loss and they have to play through the bracket a bit. But uh first off as you say get there. Yeah. I us say 13's the
1: number to keep in mind. That's typically been where if you get to 13 conference wins, you're you're usually a, a shoe in for the tournament. So uh, What are they at now? They're at 9, I believe.
0: 9. I should know this. And take out uh take rain out of the equation take a rain on rainy day on the last Sunday out of the mix this year. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that, that, you know, the big 10
1: schedule makers having Nebraska go to Purdue, um, the last weekend, they're, they're 10 and eight right now in big 10. play. Okay. My, my apologies. So, um, yeah, hopefully they don't have any tarp discussions. Yeah. That last weekend.
0: Well, we'll, uh, save our uh, thoughts on, uh, on the tarp and rain delays uh, for the next podcast. Um, we hit on so many uh, thrilling things already, uh, but come back to Husker 24 seven for all the latest. Um, even though it's may, there's still stuff going on. Um, there's still like, there's late, late walk ons joining the program and stuff like that. And um, we'll be covering it every day, uh, covering baseball, basketball, football, all the stuff. So come back for all, all your Husker coverage.